Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. We'll read the whole chapter as we remember the sacrifice of those that have given their lives for our nation. It's a day of remembrance of those and the lives and the stories that go with them. And uh, it always is a good time, as we've mentioned already, to remember. But here we have a time of memorials uh, in the nation of Israel as they are about to cross into the Promised Land. We have a memorial that is about to take place that I want us to look at this morning. Joshua chapter 4, we'll read the whole chapter to get the full context of what is here. It says, And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's foot, feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the word, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people, according to all that Moses commanded Joshua, and the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over, that the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priests in the presence of the people. And the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, passed over, armed before the children of Israel, as Moses spake unto them. About forty thousand prepared for war passed over before the Lord, unto battle, to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that, they, that bear the ark of the testimony, that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the, feet of the, the, soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place, and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and encamped in Gilgal uh, in the east border of Jericho. 
and those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for thy word. We thank you for the example, the testimony that we have here in the life of the children of Israel, a time of remembering. And Father, may we, as we look back at this passage, as we see the truths, the principles, the application, may we too remember, especially the great sacrifice of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died in our place for our sins. And Father, may we bear that message of remembrance to those around us, that they too may come to Christ and know thee. Do that work in our hearts. May we go forth rejoicing that it has been good to have been in thy house to hear thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we note, we have a day of remembrance, a day to remember the lives of our fellow countrymen who have sacrificed their all for us. It is, to me, always a, a somber time because they gave their life so that we might have the freedoms that we enjoy. As, as I've spoken in the past, I'm a history buff. I love reading about history. World War II has always been a, a section of history that has fascinated me. I love reading about it. Uh, the things that took place, the technologies that were developed, the sacrifices that were given. Um, it is just, an un, to me, an unusual time in our history that, uh, to me, I see the hand of God clearly at work, not just for our nation, but for the whole world. Uh, when you consider the evil that was there that had risen its head, and we see how it was put down. But it is a time of remembrance, and I, and I take time to do that in my own way, as I trust we all do. And it doesn't matter our political affiliations. It's a time for us as a nation, as a whole, to remember. Uh, those men and women who have died, it doesn't matter what political party they were in. They gave their life for our nation. They loved it enough to be willing to serve. And I uh, thank you that uh, stood up. Thank you for your service. Um, it is a great honor to, to know them, and uh, I am glad to be uh, the son of one who served. And uh, may we always remember and be thankful for that. But our text, in our text this morning, as we may be familiar, I trust, with the accounts uh, that we find in the scriptures, we find the Israelites setting up a memorial for the future generations to remember, to remember these events. And as we see at the end of this chapter, uh, Joshua is tying in not just the Jordan River being dried, but he goes back even to the Red Sea 40 years before and draws it in because those are two rather unusual events. When was the last time you could cross a river on dry ground? I'm seeing just smiles like, yeah, no, it hasn't happened. 
It hasn't happened for me either. When I grew up, as I've mentioned, in a trailer uh, back in junior high in eastern North Carolina, when I came to know Christ as my Savior, the creek side that we had the waterfront property to, um, I've seen it dry up in a strong northeasterly wind that was pulling the water from Pamlico Sound, uh, pulling it out of the Noose River, pulling it out of the Trent River, pulling it out of Bryce's Creek. Uh, that's the flow of the water. And I watched a creek that was about 100 feet in width drop down to about 50 feet in width as the winds were pulling the water out, and it was just draining out. But one thing I noticed in those few days that it was like that, the mud didn't dry out. It was still mud from the normal bank of that creek to where the water was in its new spot. Even after several days of wind, it was still muddy. You didn't walk out there uh, to get to the creek side. God did something very special for the children of Israel. In both the Red Sea and in Jordan, in the previous chapter, you know that Jordan is at flood stage. Uh, it seems to be the spring of the year uh, when we know the dates that we have here. So much like any of us that live in the mountains, uh, the spring brings the thaw of the snow and the waters uh, come down and the rivers and creeks and streams swell. That's the way the Jordan was at this time. And God parted it. And not just parted it, but gave them dry ground to walk on to go through it, both the Red Sea. And uh, God is using this time to bring this as a memorial for them. You need to remember what God did to bring you into the land that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. And now some 470 years, that promise is coming to fruition with these that are alive at this time crossing the Jordan River from the east and coming into the promised land. The land that God had given to them and the sacrifice that had been done uh, for that. And as we see this event, I trust, may we be able to see pictured in it the greater event of Christ's sacrifice for our sins the memorial remembering what was done. They're not remembering people who died. They're remembering what God did. May we remember what God did for us. How these memorials were raised, as we see, first of all in verse 4, how these memorials were raised, they were raised by prepared men. As you look back at verse 4, you see that Joshua, and I think we see this back in chapter 4 a little bit, Joshua had already called out, a man out of each tribe, to be ready to take these stones out of the riverbed. They were prepared. They knew what they were called upon to do. Not everyone can, can build a memorial for the glory of God's grace, can they? The lost person, does he know anything of God's grace yet? They can't build a memorial they can't remember those things because it means nothing to them yet. It is a prepared people. It is those who have come to know Christ as their Savior. Do we not have a greater, if you will, appreciation for Christ than our lost neighbor? 
as moral as they may be, as upright and good as they may be. They may even know the stories. I did as a child. I, I knew Jesus Christ was born in the manger in Bethlehem. We celebrated his birth at Christmas. At Easter, we celebrated his resurrection. Did I understand all uh, No, I didn't understand that. Knew that he was crucified on the cross, but I didn't know the implications of it. I knew the stories, but I really, I didn't know what it meant until I had the opportunity to sit under uh, the ministry of that preacher and hear him preach about the meanings of this for that year. And then I could understand and came to know Christ as my Savior and uh, was one of those now prepared men. I have a much better appreciation for it as we remember that sacrifice for sin, as we will next Sunday, as we celebrate the Lord's table. It is a time of remembrance that Christ paid for my sins. He paid for the sins of the whole world. It's privileged men who will be the burdened ones. These men carried that burden. Notice, as you will, they put these stones on their shoulders. These weren't just little rocks to, to pick up and take home. Um, you know, many are rock hounds like to pick up small rocks. These are, you know, bigger things that they were having to put on their shoulder to help carry it out of the bottom of the river. And as noted, they could see the memorial that was placed in the river because there are really two memorials here. The one in Gilgal that all could see and then the one in the river Jordan where the priests that had carried the Ark of the Covenant where they stood, there were 12 more stones placed there that could be seen at some point, and considering this was at flood stage, as Joshua notes here, it could be seen. So that pile of stones, even at flood stage, could be seen there in the middle of the river, which means for the most part, that would be seen at all times of the year. So here are these two memorials to remember what God had done. Privileged men got to do that. Did every man do this? No, one out of every tribe. I wish we could say that everyone would come to know Christ as their Savior. But we know that they won't. It begs the question, do we know him this morning? If we do, then we have that glorious, blessed privilege of carrying, if you will, that stone. Of showing forth to a lost and dying world, Christ is our sacrifice for sin. It's not a heavy yoke. It's not a heavy burden. It's a precious burden. Christ told his disciples in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and 30, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a joy to know that and be a part of that, to take the message of salvation to a lost and dying world. They need the message that we have. We have the blessed privilege of knowing him as our Savior and having the blessed privilege of giving that message to them. Yes, it is a scary thought at times because we know the profoundness of the message. It'll change your life. 
for the better. It saves you from an eternity in bitter torment in the lake of fire. But it is a blessed privilege to be able to give it and to share it with others. How these memorials were raised by prepared people, by a representative people. What a joy to be God's representative today. Paul would tell the Corinthians that they are ambassadors for Christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. As he writes that in, in first, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 5, it is all of us, not just the leaders. He's writing to the whole church. We all have been given the ministry of reconciliation. What reconciliation? That God has reconciled himself to the world through his son, Jesus Christ. Here's how you can know God personally. Through his son, Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors. We are his representative on this earth. Our home, our citizenship is in heaven. We have gone, though not physically, but we are in another country, if you will. Because our citizenship is in heaven as believers. And while we reside in this world, we are his ambassador. Which, to me, often begs the question, how good is our ambassadorship going? Those of us that are older, we may recall some times when we've had our country recall an ambassador. Or an ambassador that's been here has been recalled by his country for various wrongdoings or missteps, miscues, wrong words being said. And they come home in disgrace as an ambassador. Why? Because they weren't fully representing their country in that foreign land. May that not be said of us. We are in a foreign land as a believer. This world is not my home. We're just passing through. But we represent our Lord Jesus Christ here. May we be a, a testimony to show forth the great blessings and joy that he's given to us and that he has for those that would listen that they too can know the joys, the blessedness, the forgiveness that we enjoy. Where these memorials rested, they rested in the midst of Jordan. I think it pictures for us, if you will, a little bit, the shadow of Calvary. We see Christ who suffered, bled, and died, buried for a time. Those stones in the middle of the river were buried in that water. Our baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. It's the death, burial, and resurrection. Otherwise, we'd leave everybody underneath the water. Christ arose from the grave victorious. We see that and we joy and rejoice. The word Gilgal in the Hebrew means a wheel or a rolling. And so as we understand that resting place of those stones on the side for all to see, it was a place of rolling. 
Our sins have been rolled onto our Savior. We've committed them to him, and he has taken our penalty in our place. The psalmist would say, commit thy way unto the Lord. Roll your things unto the Lord is what that word in the Hebrew literally means. Just roll them unto him. We've given our sins to Christ, and Christ in exchange has given us his righteousness. We have a hymn, rolled away, rolled away, rolled away. All the burdens of my heart, all my sins have been rolled away. What a joy to know that. These men had taken those stones off and rolled them off their shoulders, placing them in whatever shape, form, or fashion. So that any and all that would come and see that stack, and obviously it was, okay, those stones aren't there naturally. Why are they there? What mean these stones? And Joshua gives them that answer. What means these stones? They teach of the salvation sufficiency of God. It was for future generations to understand God brought our ancestors into this land that he promised them through a great and mighty hand. Starting going all the way back to Egypt. Again, he ties that into that event because he takes them back to the Red Sea where God did the same thing then. He parted the Red Sea, allowing the Israelites to walk on dry land so that they could cross and be away from their enemy and be concerned about them no more. It teaches us and declares to us the mercy of God. Verse 23 of chapter 4. He says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. Now, could they have crossed the river and the Red Sea by other means? Sure. Boats were available. Boats were not a novel idea back then. But God chose not to do it by their means. God chose to do it by his means. I'm going to part the Red Sea for you. I'm going to dry up the seabed. I'm going to part the Jordan River and dry up the riverbed. And you may cross. It's a time to remember the mercy of God. I mean, stop to think, moving millions of people by wooden boats, how long would that have taken to go over the Red Sea? How long would it have taken to get across the Jordan River? It's at flood stage, which is not a time to be crossing rivers. The currents are swift and dangerous. God said, I can take care of this. I'm the creator of this planet. I can overrule the laws of nature that I put in place. And I will just stop the river. And then I will dry up the ground. And you will be able to walk over just fine. God's mercy. God's faithfulness. Verse 10 of chapter 4. 
For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded to Joshua. And the people hasted and passed over. They're doing what God had told them to do. Shows the faithfulness of God. God told them, you're going to cross over. I commanded this to Moses. I told him. He's told Joshua, this is what you're going to do. God's faithful. We who know him have seen his faithfulness over and over and over. And it should be a great cause for strengthening our faith. That's why the testing of our faith is there. To strengthen us. To see that God indeed is the God who not only saves us, but he keeps us. He sustains us. He meets our needs. What a joy to see that take place. Shows the grace of God in verse 18. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priests were lifted up in unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. God didn't have to do that, did he? They could have crossed by other means. But he chose to do this, the grace of God. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 reminds us of that. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. What a joy to know that, that the message of Jesus Christ is known to all men. We have the opportunity to give it to them. They have it here in this book. God's grace that has been shed abroad. What a joy to see it demonstrated. And to show others, we don't deserve what we have. God is even being gracious to you lost sinners. Because you have life and breath. Where did it come from? It came from the gracious hand of God. It shows the love of God in verse 22. Then shall ye let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land, as it is a testimony. God loved us so much that he brought us here. His care has been wondrous to us, and these stones are a memorial reminding us so that as you see them, this is what God did, again, to your ancestors to show you God's taking care of you now. Shows his love to us. We have that blessed testimony of showing the love of God to those around us. To, yes, our fellow believers. To the lost. Tells of the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessed truth. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Do we? Do we glory in tribulations also? He calls on us to do. Why? Well, he continues. Here's why we should be. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. 
and patience experience, and experience hope, a confident expectation. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When we understand the process of what happens with tribulations, is it not something to glory in then? When we understand the ultimate end is a confident expectation in who our God is, and we see the love of God shed abroad in our hearts, then I trust we will, like Paul said, as he said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 12, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. So that all may see the power of God through me. Because it will be understood, it's not Paul, but it's God working through him. That all may see, it's not me, but it's God working through us. It's not about us, folks, it's about our God. And what a joy to be a part of that. And it, again, lastly shows the power of God as we see in verse 24 that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. Too oftentimes, far too many people follow the Jewish line of thinking, and the Jews did, sadly. They were God's chosen people. We're special, the rest of you aren't. Too bad. Sorry you missed out. You were just born in the wrong family. That's too bad for you. That's not how Israel was to view the rest of the world. Over and over again we're reminded they were to be a light to whom? To the Gentiles. To everybody else because you were either Jew or you were Gentile. There was no middle ground. You were Jew or Gentile. You, you Jews, you have the means of salvation to a lost and dying world. It wasn't exclusive to the Israelites. God gave it to them and through them, yes. But it was to show forth that there is a one true God. Sadly, the Israelites, by and large, didn't do that. But that doesn't negate that they were supposed to. And notice what he says here. As they look at this memorial, as they are reminded of it, your children are going to see this, but it's for what? That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that it is mighty. That memorial was not just for the Israelite children. That memorial is for all the world to know that the God of Israel is the one true God. And we are to fear him. God is able to save to the uttermost. That show, this was depicting and reminding them of the power of God to split the Red Sea, to split the Jordan River, allow his people to come through on dry land. God's mighty hand at work, his power. God is able to save to the uttermost that come unto God by him. It matters not who we are. It matters not the sin that we have done. 
God is able to save. If God can save a man like Saul of Tarsus, he can save you. Chiefest of sinners, as he would say. I'm not worthy to be an apostle because I persecuted the very people that I have become a part of. He can save to the uttermost all that come to him because he liveth to make intercession for them. He ever liveth. May we help others to see that Christ died in their place for their sin. Nothing is too hard for God. No sin is too great. He died for all sin. We see the power of God at work in a great and mighty way. And may we who know him rejoice. And may we never set aside and may we never forget that great sacrifice that our Lord has done. It's that message that we take to those around us. The message of redemption. Our salvation is too precious a purchased possession to so quickly set aside the cost of our Savior's life. May we not forget that. May it be faithfully, quickly on our lips to tell others. It is that message of redemption that they need. We have it. May we bear it. Declare it. Tell others what mean these stones. We have in our day and age uh, uh, generations that are growing up that by and large know nothing of what we know. What is Christmas? What is Easter? What is this resurrection? They're worse than I was as a junior high student. They don't even know about them. I knew about them. I just didn't know what they meant. I could be like the children that would ask the question of these stones. What mean these stones? I don't know what that meant. I didn't know what it meant that he died on, the tree, on a cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead. I didn't know what that meant. I knew it, but I didn't know what it meant. We who know what it means, may we gladly tell others as we have those opportunities. What does it mean to be saved as we talk to them? Let me tell you what it means to be saved. What it means to be born again. They just don't know. We have the opportunity to give them the story. May we do so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for thy word. We thank you for the memorial that the Israelites put on the side, the west side of the Jordan River in remembrance of your great working in their lives, bringing them through the Red Sea, bringing them through 40 years of wilderness wandering, bringing them across the Jordan River and into the land that you promised them. Father, may we remember the great sacrifice that you gave in giving your son to die in our place for our sins. And Father, may we have the blessed privilege of telling others what mean these stones.
What mean these things that we speak of? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Days that we remember and set aside to remember these things and rejoice in. May we gladly, faithfully, and boldly proclaim that Christ died in their place for their sins. There's a lost and dying world in great need of the message of salvation. May we faithfully give it. May we faithfully seek thee out in prayer, praying for those that we would come in contact with. That the Holy Spirit would be at work with your word in their hearts. That we may see them turn to Christ and know the forgiveness that is found in Christ for their sin. And become a child of yours. May we not forget. But may we boldly proclaim. May we go forth from this place. Rejoicing. In the remembrance that we have that Christ died in our place for our sins. Father may that never grow old to us. And may it always be on our lips. May it be seen in our lives. The new life we have in Christ. The light shining in the darkness. Father, may you be at work in our hearts. Maybe we have grown a little indifferent. May you revive our hearts. Stir our souls to remember what mean these things. Be at work in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name.